This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I'm your host here, Tyler Hurley, here with Robbie Lashua. How's it going, everyone? Christ, Culture, and Coffee Nation. Can yes, say that yet? Nation. Nation. That's, uh, a, that's a big... We're inter- Christ, Culture, and Coffee at, all over. International. We're in- yeah, we're internationally yeah, here. We're, we're right. all over the world. We have listeners in the UK. We have yep. listeners in Canada. We have listeners in Japan. Do we even have listeners, I was looking recently, in Saudi Arabia. Do we really? Is that interesting? Wow. You got any relatives over there? No. <laughs> oh, me neither. Not that I, I know mean, of anyway. You Who can knows? tell by yeah. my complexion. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably. No, yeah, people listening all over. So welcome to another episode of Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Welcome. Yes. Yep. Thank you. And today we're finishing, up, we're finishing up our context series. We're finally yeah. to the S of context. Context. It's hard to say, but we're there. That's the focus. Yeah, today we are focusing on says to me, right? Application. That's what it means. What does the text mean to me? Yeah. How does it apply to my life? Yeah. got to get into that. Exactly. Now we've done a little application throughout this series, yeah. uh, talking about, cause it's kind of important, right? We have to still discuss, okay, what is the purpose of this passage? So that's yeah. why we touch base on this throughout the whole context series. But this week we're specifically focusing on how we need to apply scripture. Absolutely. Now, before we get to that, we always like to start our show off with a coffee tip. If you're new to the show, we start off with a coffee tip. Actually, um, I I don't know if I told you this. There was this uh, lady who sent a message in through our social media a couple weeks ago, and she said, hey, guys, I want to submit a coffee tip. I and saw that I was like, yeah. wait, because um, on old episodes, probably from like a year and a half ago, we ran a promo yeah, like two where years people ago, could yeah. win like mugs and stuff. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> and it's funny because I, so I forget about that, that people listen to the old episodes and then they're like, oh, sweet. But that's been over for a year and a half, that promo yeah. of sending coffee. But if you do have coffee tips, we'll take them oh, because sure. we'll like to use them. We don't have to research as much. We would love that. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Yeah. Your name. Yeah. We might say, hey, this, you know, Jenny from Saudi Arabia. Uh, is there any? Maybe there's not Jennies in Saudi Arabia. I don't know, but <laughs> they we'll, could be a missionary. Yeah, that's true. We'll give you shout outs on here if if you're from different places, and uh, we'd love to we'd love to interact with you like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But today, uh, I thought this coffee tip was interesting because we're going to be talking about Old Testament law and how that applies to our life, which mm-hmm. is kind of a stretch. It's kind of hard. Yeah, what does that mean? How do we apply Old Testament stuff to our lives as Christians today? Um, so I thought this was an interesting coffee tip. So in in 1923. All right, let me take you back to the oh, year 1923. The Titanic sunk 11 years prior. Yeah, that, anyway, <laughs> that's the time period, right? So during this time, there was confusion on what a coffee bean was. Okay. Right? Now, we all know that it's a cherry-type fruit, and the bean, the coffee, what we call coffee bean, is actually the pit or the seed of the cherry. Of course. Right? I mean, of course, everybody know, knew that, right? You yeah. all knew that. Yeah. It's, yeah well, because you listen to the show. Yeah, we have Here that. we go. But here's the problem. Back in 1923, there was confusion on what it was, and for Jewish people, yeah. beans and legumes are not kosher. That's right. So obviously they're forbidden on Passover, right? And if you're following a kosher diet, you cannot have coffee if it's a bean or a legume at Passover. So Maxwell House, the coffee distributors, right? they had a marketing guy who worked with an Orthodox rabbi named Hirsch Kohn, and he worked with this rabbi to classify coffee 
as a fruit, mm. which would make it kosher for people to have now yeah, yeah. if they were following a kosher diet. And the truth of it is, it is a fruit. Yeah. That's what it is. But he worked with this rabbi to classify it according to Jewish law as a fruit. That's that's very cool. It, it's yeah. genius marketing because he's saying we're missing a whole segment of our population that could be drinking our coffee. Mm. Let's figure out how we can get them to drink it. So after they did this, a couple of years later, Maxwell House produced a uh, Passover reader in Hebrew, I've, I've seen it. It's in That's Hebrew, cool. and it contains prayers and hymns and, and, and Jewish uh, uh, worship stuff. And they produced it and distributed it because they wanted to continue having a good relationship with the Jewish people. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that fascinating? That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought that. that was interesting, getting it changed according to Jewish law, dietary restriction to being a fruit so that Jewish people could have yeah. coffee, especially on Passover. I mean, uh, there's a lot of things that people don't realize are cl- actually classified as fruits. I mean, tomatoes, yeah. Yeah, those, exactly. are, those are fruits. Uh, like I have it in my salad. I mean, yep. sometimes I put actual fruit in my salad too. Well, I that's actual, good. Like, I like yeah. like boysenberries. Or, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the strawberries and stuff in, in salad. That's so good. But yeah, it, but yeah interesting. Coffee's, coffee's kosher. Coffee is kosher. Coffee's kosher because it's from a fruit. That's fascinating. Very right? fascinating. Yep. So that's your coffee tip of the day. Coffee is kosher. And there were some guys way back who, who went to some great lengths to make it that way. Christ culture, kosher coffee. Christ culture, kosher coffee. I like that. <laughs> CCKC. That All right. Uh, yeah. There we go. All right. Now on to the topic for today. We are finishing mm-hmm. at long last our series on context. Yes. Yes. And again, the context series concludes uh, includes these different topics, which I'm going to go through them really quick, each of the letters in context. We got C, that's crowd, audience, O, occasion, which is the historical background, uh, N, for name of the author, whose name signature on the end of a manuscript. Then we got T, that's time, mm-hmm. or the date in which the passage take pl- takes place. E is for echoes, right? Repeated words, things that repeat. Explanations, uh, word studies. Oh, yep. How do you explain this word, this passage, right? And then text says that's T, the second T in context. What does the text say? We talked about that last week. Yeah, and observation. Now, yep. Observation. Yep, that's the idea. And then says to me, application, right? That is the goal for today. We're going to talk yes. about application. So the text says to me, right? What does it mean in its context? Uh, Once we work through all the context steps, how do we apply what scripture says in our lives? Because uh, like I said, like we said before, like application is extremely important. We touch base on it every single one of these topics. Like like this really is, I think a great episode to finish on Mm -hmm. the series with and the perfect for it being the last letter in the context, because this is something that always needs to be done when you're going through a passage. It does. It always needs to be done. And more importantly, it always needs to be done last. Of course. If you put application as the first thing you do, you are going to get Terrible, crazy misinterpretations. Right, yeah. So you have to know what the text says before you can say, what does Mm. it mean, before you can get to, what does it mean to me? Yes, and that's why... For me, There's a very interesting reason. That's why this is last on the list. Exactly. Because you need to do it last, but we're also saving the best for last, right? Because it comes and brings everything together and makes you understand, okay, what is this meaning? Yeah, so many times, though, like people, you know, even like with their devotions, they're just looking... 
looking for the application, right, but they don't yeah. do the hard work to understand what it means before they get to the application. And the danger with that is yeah. you'll misinterpret it, or secondly, you'll totally miss stuff because yeah. you haven't done the study well, yeah. that that really does apply yeah. to your life. People are looking for a like like a fortune cookie version. Yeah, right? the you fortune just, cookie. You crack it, Snack open, it open. You read it. It's like the U version verse of the day, right? You read it, yeah. and it's like, all right. I mean, I, I'm just saying. Like, I, I've done that too. But it's like people, you read that verse of the day, and you're like, there you go. Like, look at this. It's that. That's that's yep. for me. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, and it's not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I heard a really cool thing this week. Um, I was reading this really great book, and hopefully, we're gonna have the author on soon. He said he'd come on. So, oh, that'd be I'm great. Not gonna spoil yeah, it. Yeah. But, um, in the book, he said that he heard this from another theologian. Uh, another theologian, and I thought this was brilliant. That the Bible. Are you ready? I'm ready. The Bible is written for us, but it's not written to us. I know. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a great uh, way to put it. It's written for us, but it's not written to us. And again, that's why wow, we got to yeah. know who the crowd is, right? Absolutely. Who's the original crowd it was written to? So all of these things come it. together. And, and that's what we're going to do today is we're going to show you how you take a passage and how you look at the historical context. You talk about the crowd it was written to. Mm. And then after going through all of that, you can say, okay, now that I know what this is saying – how does that apply to my life? Right, yeah. That's what we want to look at. And so for today's episode, we are going to be looking at Ruth chapter 2. When was the last time you read Ruth chapter 2? When was the last time I read Ruth? A while, yeah, yeah right? It's, yeah, it's been a while. It's a good book, man. There's yeah. some really cool stuff in it. So, okay, here we go. Ruth chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. So here we go. <clears throat> Uh, let me just set this up, because if you don't yeah. know what the book of Ruth is about, it's tough. So there's this there's this lady named Ruth, and she married this guy. He died, and then his brother died, leaving his wife a uh, widow. And then um, also their father-in-law died. So now there's the mother-in-law and Lots the two daughters-in-law, and there's their widows. So the mother-in-law is from Israel. She's in Moab at the time, and she's going to go back to Israel. And so Ruth, one of the daughter-in-laws, decides, I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to take care of you, and we're going to be family. So she goes back to Israel mm. with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Okay. There's, okay, there we go. So they're back in Israel. Ruth chapter 2. <clears throat> now Naomi, the mother-in-law, had a kinsman of her husband, who's dead, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So Ruth departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servants, who is in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? The servant in charge of the reapers replied, She's the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from the morning until now. She's been sitting in the house for a little while. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go and glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and she said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? 
Boaz replied to her, All you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and mother and the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. Mm. Okay, this is cool. So Ruth says, I want to go out and glean. Now yeah. there's a word we don't use all the time, and we're going to talk about what that means in a little bit. But I want to go glean in this field. So she's working in this field. The owner of the field, Boaz, comes, who's related to her mother-in-law. And he tells her, listen, don't go to another field. Just stay here. Stay in my field. And I told everybody not to mess with you. And nobody's going to get mad that you're here. Right? That's what he says. Yeah, I told yeah. him not to lay a hand on you. And when you get thirsty, you can come and drink out of the water that my servants drink out of. So he's really making it a nice place for her. Yeah, and yeah. She's like, man, why have you found favor? And, you know, why, why do you care about me? And he said, because I know that you cared about my relative, mm, Naomi. Yeah. And that you left everything to come here to be with her and to, to love her. Yeah, yeah. So this is cool, right? All right, let's read. We're going to skip a little, but yeah, you're, you're yeah, going to read another section. Continuing on. This is starting up again in verse 15. When she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servant, saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not insult her. Also, you shall purposely pull out for her some grain from the bundles and leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah, a barley. I want to make sure I say that right. Ephah, ephah of, of barley. barley. Yep. And she took it up and went into the city. And her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also took it out and gave to Naomi what she had left after she was satisfied. Her mother-in-law then said to her, "Where did you glean today? And where did you work? May he who took notice of you be blessed." So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the name of the man whom I work today is Boaz. Okay, great. There we go. So now, doing context, we need to say, okay, yes. when was this happening? And Ruth happened in about the time of the judges. That's right. Okay, so the Israelites have left Exodus. They've had the Exodus. Mm -hmm. They wandered for 40 years in the desert. They finally came in and conquered the land of Israel, right? By, by expelling the Canaanites from the area with Joshua and Caleb. And then for about 300 ish years, there's this time of the judges, right? That's the time period Ruth falls into. Now it's interesting because when you read judges, it talks about how no one was doing what God wanted. Everyone was just doing what was right in their own eyes. However, when you read Ruth, you got this guy Boaz who's doing what God said. So he kind of stands out as yeah. like a shining example during a dark time of somebody who legitimately wanted to follow the word of the Lord. Yeah. So that's important, right? Of course that's it kinda is. That's kind of cool, yeah. right? And so, but then we read, and there's this whole thing about gleaning, gleaning. She's in the field, gleaning. What does that mean? What the, what the heck is gleaning, right? <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. I know what gleeking is. Do you know what that is? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gleek where you like, can spit yeah. from under your <laughs> tongues. Gross. It's disgusting, right? That's not what this is, just so you know, Tyler. So good to know. Now we got to say, okay, what is gleaning? Because that's a weird thing. Well, if we look at the Old Testament law that Moses was given, we can understand what this is. So let's go back and let's figure out what Naomi is doing in Boaz's field, right? Hmm. Here is a passage talking about it. Leviticus 19, 9 through 10 says, now when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, nor shall you glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather the fallen fruit of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the needy and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. 
Another verse talks about this, Leviticus 23, 22. It says, And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its corners, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. Mm. I am the Lord your God. Yeah. Now, th- okay, wait a second. Naomi, she's a stranger. She's a foreigner. It would appear that way. <laughs> she's doing this thing yeah. of gleaning in this guy's field where he's leaving extra for poor people or for foreigners. Yeah. Interesting. You got another passage that talks about yeah, this, right? Yeah, this is Deuteronomy 24, 19 through 22. It says, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget to sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sorner, uh, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be left for the sorner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of the vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. Mm-hmm. It shall be for the sword of the fatherless and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. This is awesome. Yeah. So three times God gives this law about gleaning. Yeah. So yeah, what do we deduce from this? What is gleaning? What is gleaning? It, it, gleaning is the practice of allowing the poor to follow reapers in a field to pick up missed spears of grain, right? So, so or like vineyards as well as fields of grain. Yeah. They were, they Olives, were using this. grapes. Yeah. Anything. Yeah, so really any farm essentially, and mm-hmm. thinking of like modern ways to describe this, that you just go walk onto mm-hmm. after it was harvested. Because yeah. I used to live right by a cornfield. Okay. Right? I didn't and know that. Yeah, I did. Uh, right next to a big old cornfield. Every time that they would come and harvest, there would be ears of corn just left all over the place. Okay. And then uh, in the off seasons, like over the summer and stuff, they would grow watermelon. And people okay. would have leftover watermelon. People would literally go out into the field and grab, take watermelon. Oh, okay. out there. Wow. It's kind of crazy. But the, the thing is, is you can see this. So whenever a harvest happens, because there's just so much crop that they're bringing in, they drop some behind. And it's mm-hmm. like, they just don't think that it's worth it going back for the little pieces all mm-hmm. the time. It, it can be. But what God is saying here is that's like, if you, it, like the commandment in the law is to leave behind your leftovers. So that way people who are poor, who need yeah. food, who are desperate can come and take it for themselves. Yeah, right. Whether it's grapes or olives exactly. or barley or and whatever. So, so to glean is to go out into the field after the harvest, after the harvest and to take what's left, kind of pick up the scraps. Yeah. 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 And in addition to that, uh, cause I love that passage you read where it talks about if you drop a bundle, don't go back and get it. Yeah. Leave it for them. But in addition to that, with the Leviticus ones, it says, don't harvest the corners, mm, right? Yeah. Don't reap to the very That's corners. That's an interesting one. So not only are you leaving what's dropped or you didn't get on the first pass, mm-hmm. but you're also leaving fresh grown stuff in the corners. Yeah, yeah. So it's important to note that, that he does not tell them to take that. He said he says you can leave the corners. hmm but then uh, he doesn't say specify it, right? Like, like he doesn't specify. He doesn't provide specific uh, parameters for what a corner implies. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. In yeah. those verses, this uh, this always blows my mind. Yeah, is God doesn't tell them how big a corner is. Right. He just says corners, and that's not like you know how sometimes like when we were reading ephah, like that's a specific measurement of flower. Yeah. Corner isn't a specific measurement. Um, it doesn't mean a specific. It means like our word, the corner. Well, the, yeah. what, a corner can be like, I don't know, this big, right? It can be yeah. like five inches by five inches. Yeah. It can be a little square or a corner of your field could be five acres. Yeah. Right? He doesn't specify 
how big a corner is. And I think that this is interesting. Since there's no specification of it, mm. it's left up to the farmer on how generous or how not generous he wants to be. Yeah, that's true. Isn't that crazy? So it God's is, saying, listen, is. I want you to choose what you can afford yeah. and how generous you want to be to the poor and the sojourner and the, the widow and the fatherless. And that's, I want you that's to giving choose. them free reign over their own finances to, oh, yeah. to look through this and say, okay, how much am I able to give? Yeah, what kind of, how, how generous do I want to be? Yeah. Another thing I love about this, because again, we are all subjects of our own culture. Right. And one of the things that's really weird about our culture is we don't talk about money. It's true. Like we don't yeah. talk about how much we make. Oh, no, you got to keep it quiet. We don't talk about how much we invest. Oh, no, you can't talk about well, that. Yeah, you, yeah. You, how much do I give? Oh, no, I'm not going to mention that. The thing that's interesting about this is that depending on how generous you were with the corners of your field mm -hmm. or how selfish you were, your giving is on display for the whole community to see. Yeah, you're right. They can all see how generous or how selfish you are, exactly, depending on yeah. how much you leave in the field. I always find that fascinating, right? So this gleaning principle, there's a, there's a few cool things about it. First of all, you're taking care of people. Mm -hmm. um, you also are um, um, being generous with what you have, but you also are having positive peer pressure from your community to be generous. Yeah, yeah, that's when right. When you don't ever talk about it, it's easy not to give. Like you say, oh, I don't really need to and nobody's ever going to know. But yeah. when it's a public display... Man, people might be like, oh, there's the guy who only leaves five inches. Yeah, Good right? for you, yeah. man. I'm sure the Lord's really proud of that. But, but that's why that's why people <laughs> that's what people think nowadays. Like, you're yeah. absolutely right. Because the thing is, it's like, well, if you tell people how like how much you give, people are gonna view you as, oh, you're just being flashy with your money. Or yeah. or, or you're not giving enough. Yeah. Like, right? It's like there's no middle ground. So it's like, but back then. They didn't have a choice. It was just on public display. It was on public display. Isn't that crazy? And God yeah. set that up. It, yeah. These are like laws. God thought that that was okay. Interesting. Well, uh, and I think it, it's important because what it did is it kept them humble, right? It, it, it humbled them mm -hmm. and it show, it puts them on public display. Yeah. It says, look, if you are not honest, if you're not uh, generous, if mm -hmm. or maybe if you're like trying to t overindulge yourself a little bit, yep. uh, then it'll be on public display. Yeah. People will see that. And that's a, it's just a very unique cultural setting, right? It is. But that's what that's what gleaning yeah. is, right? So the, that's what gleaning is. So so now fast forward back to uh Ruth. Right. You have a foreign woman who's coming to Israel and is a widow. So she's a foreign, mm -hmm. she's a sojourner and she's a widow. Right. And she's coming yeah. to glean because her mother-in-law is old and can't. And so she comes to this field and she is taking up the leftovers. Yeah. Picking up the scraps, going to the corners and harvesting for herself this barley. And then Boaz says, hey, because he, think about that. This is so crazy to me, Tyler. When you read in Deuteronomy, it says if you drop one of the sheaves in the field, don't go back and get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So if you drop one of your bundles, don't go back. Do you remember what Boaz said to his his uh, servants? I'm trying to uh, go back. This is let's crazy. See this. Let's see this. Look at this in um in uh, chapter two of Ruth, verse fifteen. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. She rose to glean. Boaz commanded his servants, saying, "Let her glean even that. among the sheaves, and don't insult her. Also, purposely pull out for her some of the grain from your bundles and leave it that she may glean, and don't rebuke her." So he tells them to do that. Intentionally drop, drop some. Because, yeah. now think about this, because he knows the law. He knows you can't go back and get it. 
So intentionally leave some for her. Let's not just be an happy accident. Leave well, some for her. To, to think about it's that, awesome. you're right. You're right. He knows the, thing the is, law. The thing is, is what he's saying here is that by the law, he could go and gather like as much as possible, be as careful mm -hmm. with the harvest as possible, right? That's another aspect of this. You, the law doesn't say anywhere that you can't be extremely careful when you're going through the harvest to make sure you don't miss any. No. It doesn't say that. No. Uh, but... What he's and he he knows that, mm -hmm. so he's saying be careless, be yeah. reckless, right? Because we can't go back and pick it up once we drop it. Yes, but he's doing it on purpose, saying, "Look, if we gather all of this and we're careless about it, we're like, look, mm -hmm. oh, you drop some, no big deal, just take it." Because he wanted to be generous. Yep, that was the point. Extremely generous. Yep. to go as far as to say drop some intentionally. Yep, and he knows yeah. the law. And again, shining example. Of a time in Judges when nobody does what God wants, everyone just does what's right in their own eyes. You have Boaz, who is doing what God says and knows the law so well that he knows what's needed to be done in <laughs> order to be extra generous. It's really cool. And it, it is interesting because Boaz is, isn't he, uh, oh, I'm going to get this wrong and then we're going to get emails, but <laughs> isn't he David's great-grandpa? Hmm. I'm pretty sure Boaz has a son his son has a son named Jesse, I think you're and Jesse's right. David's I think grandpa, it's two King David. Two, I think there's a gap of two generations. Yeah, mixed, between yeah. Boaz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I so, think you're right. And and Boaz goes on to marry Ruth, and so Ruth is actually related to King David. Yeah, yeah. Which well, is fascinating. I, I, yeah. yeah, that's right. All because of gleaning. And if we were Gleaning wrong, we'll brings emails, people but, together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but but look at that. So so that's the question, right? So what does this say to me? Yeah, so now, okay, now, yeah, we've done the work, yeah. right? Like we looked at things. So yeah, what is how does that apply to my life? Because I don't have gleaning laws in my life, yeah, Tyler. Right? right? There's nothing in America that says I have to do this gleaning thing. I don't own yeah. a field, man. I don't own a vineyard. I don't own an olive grove. How does yeah? So when you read this stuff, how does yeah. it apply to us, man? Yeah, that's the question. So so says to me. That's the focus, right? What does it say to me? Yeah. Exactly. So we look at the historical context. Uh, we look at the laws, the customs, the words. Did it? Yep. And we, we understand what gleaning is. Yeah. We understand the laws. We, of the Old we Testament. know what the text says. We and now we can apply it to our lives. So a question we should always ask ourselves about the Old Testament law mm -hmm. is: What is God's heart behind this gleaning law? Okay, mm, that's a and good we point. Already, we already kind of talked about like our opinions of that, right? Yeah. Uh, well, because you get to like, I think yeah. it is important, especially the Old Testament laws, because they don't apply to us. They don't. Yeah. We're in New Testament era. Jesus has right. fulfilled the law, um, but uh, what? Yeah, asking the question: mm. What is God's heart behind this law? Why did God give this gleaning law? Right. Yeah. And What's He trying to communicate? That's a great question. Exactly. To ask. Yeah. And so, so the question to ask that: Yeah, exactly. What is His heart behind it? Uh, I think, and, and by the application here, mm -hmm. uh, that you should love your neighbors, right? You should... Well, that's a good... Yeah, I mean, that's, that seems like good. the heart of God behind it. It's like, yeah, yeah. there's these other people around. Exactly. And they need food. They need... You yeah, have yeah. it, so you love your neighbor. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. There you go. And then you should provide opportunities for people, for them to provide for themselves, because well, you're not just... that's interesting. Because that's what's happening here. He's not just saying, look, take your harvest and then take out of the harvest that you gather and give it out. He's mm. saying, no, 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 no. Keep your harvest. Mm -hmm. Let people come and take the leftovers for themselves. Because Which implies what? He wants people to work for it. He doesn't mm -hmm. want people... Because that's the thing. I think that's another important thing that we need to think about. Like as far as like what God wants from us. He doesn't want people, yeah. no matter their situation, to sit around and not do anything to, uh, to earn their way to yeah. earn a living. He wants you to work for it, right? Why, why do you think that is? That That's a great question. And I think that 
it's interesting because you you do see that that's clearly what was happening during this time frame. You can see that God was intentionally leaving it to where that people had to go out and get it. Yeah. And even when even when Boaz wants to be generous, he doesn't say, "Hey, just load her donkey up with ten sheaves." Yeah, exactly. He says, "Drop why, some." Why is that? I think there's a few reasons for it. Yeah. One of them, I think, is because if you go all the way back to how God intended human beings to be, and this is a tactic Jesus would do all the time when he was asked yeah. about marriage and the law, he goes, well, "Let's go back all the way to the beginning. How did God intend it to be? One man, one woman for one lifetime." Yeah. Uh, he always goes back to how things were created to be. When we were created, we were created to work. It's true. Work's not a bad thing. The thorns and thistles that were produced yeah, from the yeah. fall are bad. And the sweat on your brow, yeah, right? The, but but the work's curse. not a bad thing. We, there, is, there is a few things to it. Um, we're created to work. Work is a good thing. And work dignifies human beings. Yeah, it does. Um, people should, and, and again, I think that it's a sign of laziness. Mm. And again, there's people that have disabilities and there's people that cannot work. Sure. But there's a lot of people in our society who are taking a handout who could work. It's true. And the problem yeah. with that is it debilitates you as a human being. It yeah. hurts you. Laziness and sloth is not good for us human beings. So to, to have an opportunity to go and do some work to provide for your family through the gleaning law, I think is genius well, because it dignifies yeah. the people doing the work. Well, well, it's just in anything in life. It's not even just in this. It's if you work hard for something, like really hard, mm -hmm. and you get the benefit out of that, it is so much better yes. than just if someone just handed it to you. It's way better. There's a satisfaction no, like, in like, work. Okay, so Robbie, we're we're big Suns fans, right? Big Suns. We, fans. we love especially the Suns. right now that they're good. I wear a Suns hat every time we record. For those of you who don't uh, mm -hmm. watch the YouTube videos, I wear a Suns hat like every day. It's yep. kind of my thing. Uh, I Sorry, love LA Suns. fans. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the thing is. Is if like it's so much more satisfying to me because they're actually good this year. Yeah. If they would end up winning a championship. Oh my god. And they and I'm just, not not phenomenal. saying that, but I'm just saying it's possible. Yeah. Sure. And so and if they get that after years, they haven't been good since I was 12 years old. Yeah. I, I looked up that. And the interesting thing is if they had just been handed a trophy back then, a participation award Ugh. for just not doing anything. Yeah. That's worthless. It is. It's like, but okay, working whatever. At, and being the best, you can have satisfaction. Yes, in that. exactly. And that's with everything in life. Yeah, working, God created us to work. Work's not a bad thing. Yes. Um, but we can find satisfaction in what we do. And there's exactly, a there is a healthy, tired. There is. There's there is. satisfaction that comes through that. Yeah. And, and it dignifies human beings to say, you're capable. Yeah, I know you're from Moab, and I know that your husband died, but look at what you can do. Mm, you yeah. can provide for yourself, and you can provide for your mother-in-law. It, it brings it's dignity. Great. Yeah, it does. It brings dignity and self-respect. It's so healthy for us to do this, mm. which is again why God is a genius for setting it up that way. Yeah, exactly. So the heart of God behind it is okay. Love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. um, that people should have the opportunity to go and provide for their families. Yeah, and exactly. if you can help that happen, that's a good thing. Um, also, probably. You should care about foreigners. I would say so. Yeah. I, I mean, it specifically keeps talking <laughs> about the sojourner, the sojourner, right? Yeah, over and yeah. over and over again. You should care about for foreigners. You should care about the poor. You should care about the widows. You should care about the fatherless. It says those things, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's God's heart behind this gleaning law is we should, I mean, it really, you can boil it all down to love your neighbor. Yeah, that's true. And don't enable them. 
Yeah. Lo- love yeah. them. Love them. And so when it gets down to how does it apply to my life, right? We look at all of this stuff. We boil it all down. We understand what's being said and what was going on in the historical context. But how does that apply to me right now? Because I don't have a field. Nobody gleans, except I guess people out by, by your watermelon field. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I did that when I was but, going. But what does this mean for us? And, and, and this is, I think, how we apply it to our life. What do I have on the fringes of my life? What do I have in the excess? What do I have in the corners that I can use to love my neighbor? Yeah. I think that's the application, right? I, I had a seminary professor. He's since died, and he's with the Lord, and I bet he's loving his life right now. Oh, yeah. Um, but he, he, he talked about what he does and how he applies this gleaning law to his life. And he said what he would do is this. I think that this is phenomenal. He said, I thought about um, how I can use the excess of my life. What, what do I have in excess? And he said, you know, I use cash a lot, and I get a lot of change. Right. And you know, there's a lot of people who like have like, do you remember like those big Coca-Cola plastic bottles? Oh yeah. People yeah, my put grandma coins in them one. and fill them. Yeah. yeah. My grandma had one too. Yeah, Maybe it's go. a grandma thing. I don't I know. I guess so. But, but people would put coins in them or people, people, I mean, I have coins in my house. I guess there's a coin shortage right now. I should give those back. There is. But I have coins like stashed in weird places that I've just had. They just kind of collect. Right. And, and what, what my professor at seminary would do is he, he would take change and he would put it in a designated place for a month. Mm-hmm. Then he would go and he'd take all that change he had because it's the excess, right? Yeah, he right. pays you know a dollar a dollar sixty seven for a hamburger. Well, probably not. You know, a dollar sixty seven <laughs> for a Gatorade, yeah. and he gets the change back, drops it, drops it, just change. He'd go grab all the change, and then he would go down into a a poorer neighborhood of the city, go to a grocery store, um, put the uh, coins into one of those Coinstar machines that'll yeah. count it all up and then they'll give you the cash for it. Right. He would take yeah. the cash from the Coinstar machine at the grocery store to the checkout desk and buy gift cards for the grocery store. Then he'd go out front and he'd pray and he'd ask God to direct him to who needed these gift cards to the grocery store as they were coming in to buy groceries. Yeah. And I thought that is such a practical, genius way to apply what do I have in excess on the fringes of my life, like Boaz did, yeah. that I can use to love my neighbor. Yeah, yeah. And so so what what I don't know, Tyler, what are things we can do in our lives that are like that? Well yeah, I've been I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Like uh um my wife Maddie just got a new job and like uh like financially we're changing our budget around and th- mm-hmm. seeing things and it's like there's there are areas in I think our lives where we, we can look at, uh, depending on like what we're, our expenses are going to mm-hmm. on leftover, because it's a little different, right? Like not everybody can do it the Coinstar way because- I hardly ever use cash. I don't yeah. use cash at all. So we got to be intentional a bit more today. It's just mm-hmm. kind of the time that we live in. Yeah. So to be intentional about that, I think what we need to really be looking at is, uh, okay, uh, however much we're getting paid out of the end of the year, like, uh, like I, I'm sorry, out of every month mm-hmm. or every check- what are we what are we putting that money towards? It, yeah. Like what is what are we kind of kind of in, overindulging on a bit? What is excess? Like yeah. what are we doing for fun? Like why not we strip a little away out of this because it's excess and we yeah. can put that towards something else? Yeah, right. And be intentional about helping yeah. and loving our neighbors. Yeah, being intentional in that way, or yeah. I, I, like I don't know, like like maybe maybe just trying to find di- like other little ways in your life that. Um, 
it's it's tough to say like because again like it's hard when you're everything's digital yeah but the thing is is i think the best way to do it really is through your budget and through looking out uh like just financially what you have planning ways to give yeah but not even like through money i think what we need to also be doing is looking at time right Mm -hmm. i think time is way more valuable nowadays in some in some senses sure uh as far as what we can give to people. So by giving time, by uh, mm-hmm. volunteering to help out people yeah. with certain things or, you know, like trying to find other charitable ways aside from financial. Yeah, because I think, I think you, could, you could use it as, yeah, what is the excess time I have in my life and yeah, how can I use it for my neighbors? I think you can apply it a lot of different ways. So it's like, you do, it doesn't have to be just financial. It's no. trying to... It's trying to look at the things that are, the point in the passage, I think the application that needs to be drawn from it is we just need to look at our lives and see what leftovers we have, mm-hmm. but don't be stingy and cling to those leftovers. Let them yeah. go. Right. One of the things I thought about that we could do, um, and I haven't ever done this and I should is, you know, like you have like a, a Starbucks card or a BlackRock card or any right, of these yeah. loyalty programs. We, ha- we all have those. And then I get psyched when I get enough points to get a free drink. Why don't I use that excess? It's just extra. It's a free drink. I didn't earn it. They just give it to me. Why don't I use that to love somebody at Starbucks and buy their coffee? Why, why not? You know, I often think of, you know, there's like yard sales and all these kinds of things and all of us have excess clothes we don't need, you know, and that's why Goodwill exists because we take all the stuff we don't need anymore down there. Well, what if we were more intentional about it and we had a yard sale, you know, like certain neighborhoods will have like a neighborhood yard sale and there's all these different yard sales. You, You can have that and then use the money to love your neighbor. I mean, wouldn't it be interesting to like, I'm just spitballing here, but like, how crazy would it be to have a yard sale of, you know, all the extra clothes you have, all the toys your kids don't need, all, you know, the stuff that doesn't matter. It's excess. You sell it and you use the money to have a, a block party with your neighbors. You buy barbecue. Hey, well, come on out. We're going to have this thing. We're really all going to cool. hang out. Yeah. I mean, you're loving yeah. your neighbors. You're getting to know them. I think those types of things would be really cool. And, and I don't think it's hard to apply this. We just need to be creative and think outside the box and say, yeah, what is mm. the extra I have and how can I use it to love those around me? One idea I have, and this may be a little controversial. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Let's hear it. Okay, because I believe that the government is supposed to protect us from foreign invasion and for from each other. Mm-hmm. I think that's the role of government biblically. Yeah, um, and I, I think agree with that. That the government gets way out of control when they start trying to be the church. The church is supposed to um, obviously preach the gospel, but one of the aspects of the church is to do mercy care ministry, mm-hmm. which is true religion is taking care of orphans and widows and their distress, right? Right, yeah. We're supposed to love our neighbor. We're supposed to help the poor and needy. That's... But the government says, we want to do that, so give us more of your money and we'll do it. And they're terrible at it. They don't do a good job with it, Um, which is why God didn't make government to do that. He made the church to do that, right? Um, And then the family's the other sphere of society that's supposed to have a say. But the government's like, no, we'll teach your kids about sex education. (laughs) You probably shouldn't. Maybe that's the family's role in God's economy. Anyway, so I think that... As the government, they need to set laws and set borders, and that's really important from a government side. Yeah. But from a church side, we are supposed to do mercy care. Mm. And so this is where I could get in trouble. I don't see a conflict with this. I believe that countries are supposed to have borders. And there's been a lot of problems with uh, illegal immigration in South Arizona from from Mexicans coming in illegally. It's a problem. 
Um, and there's been a lot of, there's been violence and there's been, it's a, it's a problem. And so I like the idea of having a border. I would agree with that. Yeah. Now the problem yeah. becomes people say, well, we can't be inhumane to people who are trying to come across. And I say, listen, we don't have to be like that. The government's role is to protect us from uh, foreign invasions and having borders. That's the yes. government's role. So they should be working on that. But as the church who's supposed to do mercy care, why can't I use some of the excess in my budget to buy water and food and go down to the border. And if there are people crossing illegally, I can help them and I can love them and I can leave water there. Not because I want to encourage them to right, break right, the law, yeah. but because they're the foreigner and the sojourner in my land. And I want them to know Jesus, even if they are breaking the law. Yeah. I yeah. agree. We need to have borders and that's the Actually, government's role. I, I think that that's exactly what yeah i i completely agree with you robbie but as the I, church I that we can go example. and love people in that way and i don't yeah. feel like there's a conflict i'm for borders but when people break the law i want them to know about jesus and know that we love them yeah, i don't, I, don't yeah. I think that's a conflict but that could be another no. way we say yeah what's the excess time you have on a saturday you could drive down yeah. and, and again all of our or, listeners can't do this because you don't live on the border like we do yeah but there's things like that you could think to do. Yeah, this is something that I just thought of passively. It's a lot of us out there owe taxes, but for those sure. of us who maybe get a tax return, maybe do something with that, right? Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, these are things in our life that are excess yep. that we can get rid of or that we can give out. Yeah, to love our neighbors, yeah, yeah, yeah. to help the widow, to help the fatherless. I think that it's just a great principle. And then you see Boaz, who is a guy who that was his heart. Mm. He said, I want to be like my God, and I want to show him I love him through how I let people mm, yeah. glean my land, and I let people take up the extra, and I'm going to take care of this lady and drop some extra sheaves. When, when you're, What are the things we're dropping extra of? You know, yeah. so it's not even just the fringes, but when are we intentionally yeah, dropping what we yeah, could have kept, right. you know, and yeah. so that's how I think we can take these things and apply them to our life. Yeah, I agree with that. Application is huge and important, but you couldn't think through that. Until you understand what gleaning is, yeah, the time, what time period frame, this was in, the date. Yeah, you need it's to, so that's important. why that's why we saved application for last because it is supposed to be done last. Yep. That is the context series. That is a wrap on the context series. That's actually. it. We did it all. We did it. And thank you guys for bearing with us through this series. It has been super fun to it go through this. I, I think it's a super helpful way. And if you haven't listened to all the episodes, you should go back and uh, take notes, um, write down the context, because it's important to apply this to biblical studies, right? It is. The, the Bible is meant to be studied. And what that means is we actually investigate it. And to study means to literally like know every aspect of it. Yeah, we need to really take the time to do it, mm -hmm. uh, and it is work, and it's hard, and we need to use our minds to love the Lord, and we're going to have to dig into some historical yeah. books and some some commentaries, and all of those things are just really important if we want to study this book. Mm, yeah, uh, We have to do it so we can be approved workmen who do not need to be ashamed, who rightly divide the word of truth. That's yes. what Paul told Timothy to do, and I think that that charge, even though it was to Timothy, applies to us to be doers of the word. Well, you can't do it unless you know what it says. Yes. So what does it say? And then how does it apply to my life? So these are just exactly. tips on how you know what it says. And again, we'll go through it. I would love for you to write this in your Bible or write it on a note card. Yeah. But context, crowd, occasion, name of author, time, echoes, explanation, text says and says to me. 
That's the whole idea. But like Tyler said, we hope that this is a resource for you. And if you forgot, oh, what is Echoes? Go back and listen to the episode yeah, again. Yeah. Check it out. It's there. And we explain and break down how you can look for these things in Scripture. All right. And thank you guys so much for joining us this week on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. We'll be back next week with a new topic for you guys. We'll see you then. If you enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you become a Level 4 supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our Stoneware, Christ Culture, and Coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee.